may be seated, but you know what? It is so awesome. Because this is exactly what you said, and I love what you said. We do this conference for you ladies to be empowered and be sent to go. And you are sent like arrows into the darkness. And you know the scripture, Isaiah 60, we talked about it. You are called to rise. Yesterday we talked about you rising in your identity in Christ. And when you know who you are in Christ, you're going to start shining. You won't help but shine. Because the glory of God is in you. And, but you have to stand up in your identity and start to let your light shine. And then the glory of God, the manifested presence of God will be manifested through you. Oh, glory to God. You know, I was reminded of something because you ladies have a part in it. Is the, some, a, a long time ago, is a man called Smith Wigglesworth. You know and heard about him. In 1947, he had a vision. And the Lord allowed him to see this great revival that you and I are going to be a part, are a part of. But he said, this is what he said. He says, when the word, he said, there are those who have, you know, went to the word. And there are those that have gone after the spirit. He said, but when the word and the spirit come together, then that revival will come. I'm here to tell you, ladies, yesterday, what did we learn through Carrie? I mean, isn't Carrie just the personification of awesomeness? I just, I just fell in love with her. I'm sorry, but. I think she is awesome. Why? Because the glory of God shines through her. And she's so real and so authentic. I like that. Amen. Where was I? You see what you're doing? When the word and the spirit come to you, I was just checking to see if you were paying attention. When the word and the spirit come together, then this revival will take place. And yesterday we learned that our identity has to be based and founded not on our feelings, not on what people say, not on what we say about us, but it has to be on the word. It's our anchor. It is what will keep us in Christ, our identity. in That's what will keep us stable. The knowledge of who we are in Christ will be the stability of our time. But ladies, I've got good news for you. You are called to be women of the spirit. Founded on the word and in the spirit. Filled, overflowing with Holy Spirit. And you know, here is something. Did you know that the devil just hates you? You remember what Genesis 3.15 said? God says, he said, I will put enmity between the serpent and the woman. This is no wonder and know that through the time, the devil is just hated you ladies. Enmity is an intense hatred, an active, passionate hatred against somebody. The devil hates your guts. And... 
For there is whole denomination that has forbidden the woman to speak. Whole denomination that have squeezed the woman or son saying you have no place. Just, you know. But here is the good question. Why is the devil, what, why does he hate you so much? Why does the devil hate you so much? We talked about a verse, but I will say it again. In Psalm 68, verse 11, it says, The company of women that brings the good news is a great army. You are part of a great army. No longer be tossed by your emotions. Yo, yo, no. You be women founded in your identity in Christ, filled with the Spirit and the devil that scares him. Because you are a great army and you are like the word that God gave us yesterday that this little rendezvous of two missionaries right here in front of you, it's a symbolic prophetic sign that God is getting ready to release you and to send you oh, like arrows of light into the, your dark, the darkness. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, I even put my fatigues on. I'm ready. Hallelujah. And we know all through, I mean, look, in, in all the Bible, God delighted to use women. We know of Mar- Miriam, who was a prophetess. We know of Anna, that weird little widow, who was a prophetess in the temple. When the men of God, the scribes, the Pharisees, all the doctors of the word, they missed their visitation had no, they did, had no clue what, what was happening right there and they missed. A little widow was sensitive enough to recognize the visitation of the Messiah, the birth of Jesus. Glory to God. God used, I mean, isn't that amazing? God is awesome. That he chose a little woman, Mary Magdalene, to be the first woman to preach the gospel, to preach the resurrection of Jesus. Hello. God loves women. You heard what Tara, the Lord is saying, there is such an anointing upon your life. There is such a breaking of burden, anointing, that when you open your mouth, when you stand, you are inviting people into a place of intimacy with God. And as you worship, oh, it will be like an arrow, a prophetic arrow, a prophetic sword of the spirit that will break through the darkness and set people free. Hallelujah. You are powerful. There is such an anointing when you stand here and you worship. There is, you see, there is a lot of talented people. But there are those that are talented and anointed. And you know and feel the difference. The presence of the Holy Ghost. You can know it and know when you're familiar with it. Hallelujah. And so God has delighted to use women. And the devil hates it. 
You ladies, every one of you, God is wanting to release you, to send you. Women founded, founded in their identity in Christ. Free, but so filled with the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And you know why the devil has attacked you so much? Why he hates you so much? Because God has made you a certain way. You women, God made you, fashioned you. I mean, he made Adam out of dirt. Sorry, <laughs> ladies, a man. But you, us ladies, he fashioned us. And he gave you some talent that are specific to us women. You know, one of the first gifts that God has given us ladies is that intuition, that perception. Sometimes, you know, you cannot put your finger on things, but you know things. There is that, that intuition that is very feminine. My husband always says, he said, I'm the driver of the car. She's my spiritual radar. <laughs> you know, when oftentimes things happen and some of the men, I mean, I, ladies, you know, with your marriage, you know, you have a pretty like little girl that gets to run your husband. <laughs> the husband, I mean, he just doesn't even realize anything. And you're like... Uh-uh. I know what she's all about. Did you see that? Did I see what? That intuition, you know things sometimes. It's a radar. It's, you know, just like Anna and Mary, when all the men of God that were supposed to know God, they just, it just, when they, they missed it, those two women had that spiritual sensitivity that they knew what was happening. They perceived the plan of God and they knew what God was, was, was doing. And the second gift that God has given us, it's called the gift of gab. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's interesting because, you know, did you notice that something the devil attacked also? Making fun of us like you little uh, chatty box, the women, oh. when in reality, I did my little study, my little homework. That's a lie. They say, well, you know, men, they speak, they speak 10,000 words or whatever. And women, you know, they speak 13,000 words more. That's a lie. That's not true. They, I looked and there is a research that says there is no foundation on that. They just speak around the same word. But here is something. And that's why the devil just try to minimize, ridicule, and put us down, making sound like chatterboxes and empty little. <laughs> is I when I did my little homework, this is what I discovered: that the difference between men and women is that women were given the gift or the ability to communicate. Clearly, even at an early age, they did an experiment. They put a little microphone, you know, in a little recess area and they listened. Little boys, little girls. And what did they hear? When they listened to the little boy, it was all boom, boom, ah, check, ah, man, man. But when they listened to little girls, they were speaking. Clearly communicating, expressing themselves. And that is the truth. 
We have that ability, ladies, to communicate. He must be a little boy. I, I think he didn't like it. I know, I know. It's hard to hear the truth. It's true, God gave us that gift, that ability. That's why the company of women who preach and proclaim the good news are a great army. And you're part of it. And we three, all through the Bible, how God used women. We even hear about Queen Esther. She's a queen. And we saw, I mean, that was awesome to see the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. That just did, that did something inside of you. Because you know you have been coronated, crowned with a crown of glory and honor. And you've been given a scepter of authority. But I want tonight, I, don't, I want to talk to you because sometimes when we can talk about queen and we kind of think like, I can't relate. I'm a little mom at home with two little kids. And I have to change diaper all day long. (laughs) But I want to talk to you tonight about women that God used. There were what I call women like you and I. But yet God used them mightily. They were not queens. They were not anything that men would call the elite. But God used them in a, as a mighty, in a mighty way. Women that if I tell you their name, and I will tell you their name, you're going to say, who is that? Because here is the thing. Most of us, you might not be world-renowned. What God has called you to do might be Somewhere where nobody will ever hear about you. But yet, God will use you mightily. So the first woman I want to talk to you about, her name is Aksa. Aksa who? It's found in the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 1. And who is Aksa? Aksa was the daughter... Of Caleb. Now you know who I'm talking about. Who is Caleb? You know, one of the 12 spies. The one who came back with a good report. The one at the age of 85 who said, Joshua gave me that mountain because I'm going to go to war and I will come back. You see, it's easy to go to war. It's not so evident to come back from it. And he was 85 years old. And yet he had in him that conquering spirit. And you know about Aksa, the Bible tells us. And if you know anything about Israel, women had absolutely no right. Right to no inheritance, right to nothing. But yet Aksa went boldly before her father to, de- to not demand but to ask. And said, I want, uh, I want a land, but give me not only land, but give me springs of waters. A woman who had no right, 
But yet, she boldly asked for something. I have good news for you. Ladies, you have rights. You are the daughters of the king of kings. And you have an inheritance in Christ. You don't even have to wonder. And I like that because... You see, Esther, when she approached the king, she had to hope that he would lift up the scepter to let her in. We have an entry, open door to the king because he's our daddy God. He's our papa. And we have rights. We have an inheritance. But I want you to notice something. Did you notice Aksa had that same conquering spirit, that same boldness, that same courage that daddy had. As a father, as daughter, as father. But here is the thing, where did Caleb get that conquering spirit, that spirit of conquest, that boldness and that, where did he get it from? He got it from father God. Because that's an attribute of our father. He's the one who sent the nation of Israel. He said, I have won the war for you, but go and conquer. Go and conquer. Everything that you put your foot on will be yours. That came from God. And Caleb had got a hold of that conquering spirit. Oh, Aksa had got a hold. Oh, she looked at her father. She heard her father. Did you hear what I just said? She saw her father. She looked at her father. She listened to her father. And she grabbed a hold of that same conquering spirit. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm getting older. And you see, you've got, ladies, that same spirit because that's from your father. I don't care if you think you're shy. I don't care if you think you're worth no whatever. Now, here is the thing. You've been set free, ladies. So no more of that nonsense. Those lies are exposed. Bam, canceled. But I want you to know that in you, Some of you, you just don't know it yet. That that same conquering spirit is an attribute of your daddy God. And it's in you. Some of you, you've just buried it a little too deep. But we're going to waken you up tonight to that conquering spirit. I love, I heard, you know, Heidi Baker. How many of you have heard of Heidi Baker? You know what Heidi Baker had the the audacity to do? She approached God and she said, give me the nation of Mozambique. And a little woman, a little woman, God literally gave her the nation and she has transformed a whole nation. God might not call you to transform the whole nation, but lady, with that same spirit of conquest, you can conquer your family, conquer your city, conquer your nation. You can conquer whatever it is, the area of influence that God has placed you in. You have that conquering spirit to go and get the job done. It's in you. You have that authority. Have you not heard? You have that authority. You know, we really don't realize how much authority we really have. It is so powerful. I remember one time, listen to this. I just got married and my husband, who is a builder, Fred, if you listen to me, I love you, honey. 
And my husband wanted to build his own home. So we sold our house. And because we didn't want to get tied down to a lease, to some kind of contract, we said, well, let's just, until we find a piece of land, uh, let's do part of that. You know, it was called the show homes of America. And what it was is that you would live in what they call an executive home on the lake or not the lake because I live in Florida on the ocean or on the river or on the golf course, you know, the really million dollar kind of home. But we would pay $600 rent. The little catch is you had to put your furniture, decorate it, have it speak and spin all the time and people would visit it. And if somebody wanted to buy it, you had to move two weeks later. So we said, oh, that's perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> the little problem, I put, I mean, I, the, the, we, we got that house. Our first house was right on the golf course. I mean, it was awesome. And I, I mean, that day we moved the furniture. I put the, hang the, the, the thing on the wall. Um, and then somebody walks and say, we here to, and here's a realtor saying, we have somebody checking the house. So I'm like, okay, hallelujah. They looked. They bought it that day. I said, okay, cool. We'll get another house. So we moved in another house, a great house. It was on, you know, the river. Cool. So I put everything two months later. Sold the house. Okay. After the third house like that, I, I got so mad. I said, I tell you what, I will not move from this house until I say so, until I decide to. My husband said, okay. And so we stayed there for three months. One night I had a dream. And in that dream, I see the Lord speaking to me. And he says, I need you to release that house. He said, I've got something better for you. And that house belongs to somebody. And in that dream, it, I was so happy, and I knew it was cool. I woke up thinking, oh, we're going to move from that house. Whoa. Five minutes later, the phone rings. The lady from the agency, she said, oh, Audrey, I'm so sorry. I said, it's cool. I'm ready. It's okay. I already know. She said, you already know? I said, yeah, the Lord already showed me, so I'm ready to move. But I want you to see something here. You meaning... God had to ask your permission and ask you to release that house? That's how powerful our authority is. Because the Bible says in Matthew 16, 19 or 19, it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Let me give it to you from the complete Jewish Bible. I love that translation. You say, whatever you allow here on earth will have to be allowed in heaven or the spirit realm. Whatever you, def- you forbid here on earth will have to be forbidden in the spirit realm. That's how powerful your authority is. You're not a little peon like that, insignificant. No, you are a co-laborer with Father God as, you know, father and son, father and daughter. That's how, and I just saw, where are you, my friend? I just, here you are. 
I mean, I don't know where you heard that testimony, but she heard it somewhere. And she did the same thing. She, I mean, she put her foot down. She said, Father, I need a house and I need a daughter. And she spoke. And what happened? Within the same day. Hello. She exercised her authority. She heard that testimony and it so got her pumped up. She said, you know what? Um, and she exercised that authority. She spoke things out. And it happened the same day. That's how powerful you are, ladies. It is time to take back your territory. It is back. It's time to conquer back what God has entrusted you. No longer the devil just taught you to push you around and tell you what you can and cannot do. No, 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 no. You are powerful ladies with authority. And you're going to put him back on his place and say, uh-uh, devil, no. Listen to this. A year after I was married, my husband and I went on a, you know, on the first year anniversary, went to Paris. <laughs> Problem, when we got back, our house had been robbed. They stole you know, my husband's gun, jewelry. My husband had been married, had become a widower, and so his wife had a whole thing full of gold jewelry. I don't know how, how much there was, but... And a bunch of stuff got stolen. And my husband says, well, this is it. I guess that's the end of it. I know we're never going to get in. I'm saying, uh-uh, no, sir. No, siree. I said, I'm telling you what, I said, I'm going to get everything. I'm going to, I said, I don't care about the stuff, but say, I demand in the name of Jesus. I said, I'm going to get the value, the highest value for everything. But here there was something else. My husband for our wedding had offered me an amethyst on gold setting. And that ring was sentimental to me. And I said, I told, I said, wait a second. I said, I want the value, the highest value of everything, but I want that ring back and I'm going to get it back. We, we filed a report, you know, a police report. And they said, well, you know, I tell you what, it says, I can tell you, it will, you'll never recover anything. You'll never, I mean, you might as count it as lost. My husband said, I know you hear our dress. I said, uh-uh. I said, okay, honey, you stay on neutral. Let me handle it. <laughs> Sometime, lady, that's what we have to do. Don't be mean about it, but said, honey, if you cannot accord your faith with mine, that's okay, no problem, still neutral. And then for I don't know how many months, there were, it was like, nope, nope, nothing. And, and I kept on standing. I said, nope, nope, I'm going to get all the highest value of everything, and I'm going to get my ring back. Well, long story short, by some kind of awesome miracle, we got the highest value on everything. And then one day we got a knock on the door. A policeman come, he says, I'm sorry, I was not able to recover any of the jewelry, anything. And I'm getting ready to say, oh. He said, oh, I forgot, by the way, here. Bam, here my my ring. <laughs> this is how powerful our authority is lady hello just a few days ago i'm getting ready to take a team of ladies to the brothels in india 
We're going to go and do a love banquet to the prostitute and minister to them the love of Christ. We're going to wash their feet, do their nail, love on them, lay hands on them on the same time. And then we'll minister to the kids that have been rescued from the sex trafficking. I'm excited. We have a team of ladies. A few days ago, I got my visa. Somebody else got the visa. But two of the ladies, they sent me an email and said, Audrey, we cannot get our visa. It's, it's not working. They won't, let, they won't give us a visa. And I said, okay. She said, I've called the consulate. I've called the consulate of Atlanta. I've called the consulate of Miami. I called the con, and, and they said, nope, that's home security rule. You cannot have a visa. And she said, I'm sorry. I guess I'm not going. You know what I did? I said, uh, uh, no ladies. Wait a minute. I said, I have learned by experience. I will never, never take no for an answer. So I said, let's meet, let's pray. And we prayed. And as we prayed, Holy Ghost gave gave us a little bit of wisdom. And he says, apply for the visa through a different website. So we looked for a website and we found a website. Guess what? Both of them applied for a visa and got the visa. Hello. What if I had said... Well, I guess that's the way it is. I guess that's how it works. No, we have authority. And I said, I will not accept it until I have nowhere to turn. But the wretch in front of me. And even there, I know God will part it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here I love what Sharon, right? I love watching because you could think, well, it's like Carrie, it's Audrey, you know, it's Aaron after they're in the ministry. No, no, it's not for those in the ministry. It's for every one of us ladies. Glory to God. You got to learn, you know your identity. You're a daughter of the king. You're a queen. Hello. And you've got a scepter of authority and your role, your responsibility as a daughter of the kingdom of God. It's to enforce that authority. And that means that you speak to things. You tell things what to do, where they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. Some of you are looking at me like. I'm sorry, I will not apologize for getting excited. I have seen too much. I have seen too much. I've cast so many demons. I've seen so much, so many things that I know how powerful our authority is. And that's what Father God has entrusted to us. And that's in you. You have it. You don't even have to pray for God to give it to you. You have it. It's part of who you are as a daughter of the kingdom. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says, The violence suffers. The the kingdom of God will suffer violence. But it's the violent that take it by force. And being violent, listen to me. Being violent doesn't mean, "Ah!" or kicking against walls, or starting to go. "Ah!" Violence, sometimes the greatest form of violence is when you look face at the problem and you go, hallelujah, amen. Just for you, Trisha. Hallelujah, amen. Just for you, Carrie. Hallelujah, amen. And you worship God. 
That's great violence because you refuse to bow down to the lie of the devil. Greatest violence and sometimes to stay in the peace. Some people will call me insane. But when we had the big hurricane Harvey, 130 miles per hour wind. The whole area was getting evacuated. And I told my husband, you know, we made a decision where we'll stay home. And we have like big trees around. And I said, well, honey, and we hear the, hear the wind. We see the trees going. So you know what we did? We went outside. I mean, we spoke to the thing. We said, there will not be one tree that will be uprooted and broken. There's not going to be any damage. On our, I mean, we took our authority. And then after we exercised authority, well, you know what we did? We said, what would Jesus do? We took a nap <laughs> for an hour and a half. For an, and then it was so awesome because we put candlelight. I mean, we prepared. We were not foolish. We had food, water, everything we needed, a little generator. I mean, we prepared ourselves. But we said, we exercise authority now. All is left to do is just enter the rest. Because God, we lean on God. We, man, we had a blast. We put candlelight. We had no computer, no TV, no telephone. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we played cards. We talked. I loved it. And then when the last hurricane, I was not in in Florida. I was in France. And I'm like, dang. I'm going to miss that hurricane. (laughs) People looked at me like, hello. (laughs) We have that type of authority. So you have, you're an AXA. Repeat after me, I am an AXA. But I have rights. I have an inheritance. And I have great authority. And that same conquering spirit that is in my daddy is in me as father, as daughter. Hallelujah. Oh. And I'd like to talk to you. I know, of course, you know her. You know Deborah. You know Deborah. And it's found in Judges chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, it says, In the days of Shangar, son of Anath, in the day of Jael, the, did I get the right one here? Yeah, Judge 6 and 7. In the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, I arose. Arise and shine. I arose, arose a mother in Israel. And here we find out that Deborah was a prophetess. But I like that in the verse 1, I believe it says, Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth. Deborah, a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth. Did you notice here first? It doesn't say Deborah prophetess and the wife of the prophet Lapidoth. You know what that shows us? 
that she was a woman in the ministry and her husband was in the marketplace. So for all of you ladies, because I have heard it so much, the women that have come to me and says, Audrey, my husband is not in the ministry. Is it okay for me to be in the ministry? I'm not kidding. Do you know that what that shows us? You can be a woman and called into the ministry. You can be the wife of Arthur, of John, of Peter, and you can still fulfill your call and say yes to the Lord. You're not disqualified because your husband is not in the ministry. But here is something we can learn from Deborah. She was in the ministry, but she was the wife of Lapidus. What does this mean? She knew her priorities. Ladies, sometimes women, it can get a little goofy. Don't look at me so innocent. It can because sometimes women that are in the ministry, all of a sudden their house is in disarray, their kids are running in rebellion, the husband is wondering when the next meal is coming. I have learned something why Deborah was so successful and so influential because she knew, yes, I answer the call. I am a prophetess, but I am also a wife. I have learned in ministry. Here, you, it's awesome because you see, you have the example of two women in the ministry, two missionaries. One is married to a man in the ministry, and you have one here, yours truly, who is married to a man in the marketplace. And it's okay. And both will work. Now, I have to admit, it might be a little harder when your husband is not working with you in the ministry. There is a few little challenges, but God's grace is abundant. But you see what I'm saying? I have learned, I remember, when I got, got married, the Lord told me, he said, put your ministry on hold for two years. And I did not understand why. But now I see the wisdom of God. Because in those two years, though I felt like I was dying, <laughs> a lot of myself died. But I did something during those two years, I built a strong foundation in my marriage. My husband was able to trust me. And then he was able to release me back into the ministry and the mission field. And I have learned, and here, I'm going to say something to you ladies who are single. Stop crying out and stop lamenting, wondering, why am I not married? Enjoy your singlehood. Hello. Enjoy your season as a single lady because when you're single, all your time, all your devotion, all your energy can go to the Lord. You can do the things and some things and with that us lady, for us, it's a little more difficult. And I remember when I got married, when I was single, I got married at age 36. So there is hope for you ladies. I got married at the age of, I had been a single missionary for, I don't know how many years, 13 or 14 years. And oh man, I had all the time, I, I wanted to fast, I fasted. I wanted to pray, I prayed. I wanted to study the Bible all day without eating, I could do it. I wanted to go there, I went there, I went, hello. But then when I got married, all of a sudden, my time went, my time with the Lord, I mean. And I felt in my heart like I was betraying God. God, I'm backsliding. And God spoke to me and said, Audrey, 
when you are ministering to your husband, you are ministering to me. And it is as much ministry that when you go out to preach. So I have learned that as a woman in the ministry, you have to be wise and learn your balance. That when you're in the ministry, you wear the hat. That's great because God, you're responsible before God for that ministry. And I'm talking about a lady whose husband is not in the ministry, you understand. But when I'm at home, I've learned to switch hats. And now I'm no longer Audrey Mack, missionary. I am the wife of Freddie Mack. And he's not alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I travel. When I go on the mission field, I give it all. I mean, I preach. I go. But when I'm at home, I'm not the missionary that travel all around the world. I am the wife of Freddie Mac. I cook him some little French meals. I'm making some little chocolate cake. I mean, I, I'm try to, I try to minister to him. And there is a balance there that we have to understand to be influential and successful. Because if you're not even faithful and diligent in your Jerusalem, you're not going to be when you go to the side of the earth. Ladies, that's the word of wisdom right there. But here is something else that we learn about Deborah. She was called a mother of Israel. And God raised her up at a time. The Bible says in verse 6, in the time where things were dangerous, people were fearful, and the road was deserted, and people were afraid to travel. Everything was uncertain. King did not fight. They were afraid. And God raised a woman. And you know... They called her a mother of Israel. Why? Because what does a mother do? A mother in place where there is fear, insecurity, doubt, and trouble. A mother will bring encouragement. A mother will bring security. A mother will bring comfort. A mother will protect. And comfort and encourage and lift up and edify. That's the spirit of a mother. And lady, I've got some good news. That maternal spirit, whether you're a young woman or an elderly woman, that maternal spirit is in you. It's from Father God. And you know that maternal, that, I'm going to say that spirit of a mother. I cannot even say maternal, maternal, maternal. <laughs> that maternal spirit I believe, I don't have chapter and verse to prove it, but by the character of God, my sensitivity says that that's the attribute, that maternal spirit comes from Holy Spirit. Because he's called the comforter, the helper. Those who, I mean, when you, like, if you're a kid and you're in trouble, you call mommy. You don't call daddy. Say, mommy. I need help. <laughs> I mean, when there is, you know, when you got rejected at home, you go to mommy. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. And that comes from Holy Spirit. And it's in every one of us. If Holy Spirit is in you, you've got that maternal spirit in you. And you, I call ladies to comfort, to encourage. You remember what I said? We have that gift of gab. 
We have, with our words, we have the ability to communicate simply, clearly. And we have to learn to use that gift for a divine purpose. We have to learn to release that maternal spirit. We have to release that that is in us to be, to do good, to encourage people. And here is the thing, you are all in here, Deborah's. You might not be called a prophetess behind the pulpit, but if you have received the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in these last days, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and my daughters shall prophesy. And you are called as daughters to prophesy. But listen to this, prophesying in the new covenant in this new covenant, doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that you're going to go and tell people the future. No, in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, it says that he that prophesies is for comfort, for exhortation and edification. You are all, we are all called to prophesy. We are all called to edify. We are all called to comfort. We are all called to bring security. Hello. You are all Deborah's. You're all called to bring. And we, I mean, you notice that we live in an area where there is so much fear, so much violence, so much uncertainty. So what a prime opportunity for us to shine, ladies. Hello. What a prime opportunity to let our light shine. Because where we see fear, we can be a mother and speak security and speak comfort. When we see distress and doubt, we can speak encouragement, edification. Oh, hallelujah. We are all called to be mothers. I love that. Oh, and how much did I enjoy Sue Nutman's workshop, activating, releasing the prophetic spirit. And you know that prophetic spirit, you know what it is? Because when we think sometimes prophetic, have you ever thought like there is a prophet in the house? I better repent of all my sins before I come to the front. Oh Lord, I know he's going to read my dirty laundry. I know he's going to reveal my little inner. Have you ever thought that? Thinking that the ministry of prophet and the prophecy was to dig out the dirt. But you know, uh -uh, that is not the spirit of prophecy. The Bible says the spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus Christ. And what is the testimony of Jesus Christ? It's to do good. It's to do good. To destroy the works of Satan. To give life and give it in abundance. In another word, that spirit of prophecy is not to dig out the dirt, it's to dig out the gold in people's heart. Oh, hallelujah. And did you know, how many of you participated, you were here in that awesome workshop, whether yesterday or today? Did you notice that how easy it was? Every one of you you heard the voice of God. Every one of you had a word that edified, that released, that empowered, that all exhorted and comforted. God used you with that spirit of prophecy. And it was nothing complicated. 
Why? Because it is the heart of Father. It is the desire of the Holy Spirit to go and encourage his daughters and his children. And he wants to use every one of us. And it's so easy. I cannot tell you. The, and sometimes one word of prophecy will change the course of somebody's life. Just yesterday, I don't know where you are if you are here. But there is a precious woman that came to me. And she said, Audrey, you prophesied in Jacksonville. My children were going to Karis in Jacksonville. You gave a word to my, my children. And he says, from that word, their whole life changed and turned around and shifted. One word. I remember when I, a lot of things happened when I got married, my goodness. The night of my wedding, I had the caterer. He was a big old black guy. And at the end, he had done a great job. At the end, you know, I said, you know, can we pray for you? So we all kind of went around and hold hands and we started to pray. And I started to pray for him. And for one reason or the other, I'm, see, I'm, I'm going, Father Abraham this, Father Abraham that. And I'd never talked about Father, Father Abraham. And I'm thinking, why am I talking about Father Abraham? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't stop talking about Father Abraham. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that was about. I received a phone call from him a few months later. And he says, Audrey, he said, I had been raised in the church, but I had backslid and kind of left God. And he said, when you prayed for me and you kept on talking about Father Abraham, he said, that was my spiritual father. He was called Father Abraham. And when you spoke about Father Abraham, something inside of me got so set free that I came back to the Lord. I want you to know today I serve God. A word... And every one of you ladies, you have the Spirit of God in you to speak life, to give a word. And it doesn't have, and it shouldn't really be here in the church, but it should be right. And it's so easy. The spirit of prophecy is to give life, to do good, to love, to show, to show people God's love language. That God loves them. You can be at the supermarket and see the little lady behind the cashier that seems a little discouraged and depressed. You can, and it's easy. Some of you are like, I have never given a word to a stranger. Start easy. You can look at somebody, smile at them and say, I just want to tell you today, you are beautiful. You've got a beautiful smile and daddy God just loves you to pieces. I just want you to do today. You are doing such a great job. Thank you for your, you've got to, I mean, you can encourage. It's easy to do good. It's easy to bring life. It's easy to lift up, edify, encourage, and show that daddy God loves them. Just do it. If you feel a little nerfed, I had a word in that it was awesome to when I went and I did my little homework and stuff and I gave my little word and I, and I gave it, where are you? The lady to whom I gave the word, right here. And I, and I wrote a word that I never thought about. I knew that came, that didn't come from me. But I looked at that word and I'm like, man, that's good. I'm going to use that somewhere. <laughs> and listen to what the Holy Ghost told her. He says, look at your fear, because when you see your fear, you'll discover your destiny and you'll dis disco discover your purpose. And I thought, dang, that's really good. 
But you think about it and it's true. Those fear, what is it? It's the devil trying to take you off that area of faith. Because that's where God has called you. And when you see the fear, you discover where you're supposed to be and to go. And so, why do you deal with fear? You attack it head on. What is it you're afraid of? Go to it and do it. I love what George Meyer said, do it afraid. And as you do it afraid, that fear will lose its power against you. I remember I was afraid of heights. I'd go on top of a ladder and my knees would shake. And you know what I had to do? When I did mission training, they took us through boot camp. And I had to climb poles 35, 40 feet in the air. Then jump, stand on the pole, jump and grab a trapeze, do zip line, then walk on wire 40 feet high. You're talking, my knees shaking? But I mean, I had all the temptation to say, I can't do it, I can't do it. But I said, uh-uh. Fear, wait, I'm coming. I'm going to get... And I did it. And you know after that, that fear disappeared. And now, when our roof is dirty, guess who is cleaning the roof? Because I hate to tell you that, honey, but you're a little too big to walk on the roof. So, he's too big and stocky. So, we have a tile roof. You know, the Spanish tile. You walk on it and you are 235 pounds. Puff, puff, that breaks. Hallelujah. You, whatever fear you have, confront it head on. And you will see that that fear will have to go. Oh, glory to God. You are a Deborah's. You are Axe's. Repeat after me. I'm a Deborah. I'm called to prophesy. I'm called to be a mother. To nourish. To edify. To comfort. Oh, glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. You remember yesterday we, saw, we said something. We said that our words are powerful. Remember? Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of a tongue. And you are the first one, lady, to testify how words can be so edifying or can destroy you, limit you, put you in invisible jail. We've talked about that yesterday. So how much more is it important for us not to be those channels of destruction, but be those channels of life. And every one of you, you've got the comfort on the inside of you and out of your mouth, out of the abundance of your heart, you can speak life. Try it. And once you start doing it and you make it your purpose, Every day to find somebody to come on comfort, to edify, to bring life to, you'll get addicted. You'll get addicted. Everywhere you go, you'll find for places to smile, to tell people you love them, to tell people how great they are, what a good job they're doing. I mean, you go in a restaurant, you know a good tip, something that worked really well. First of all, you bless your waitress or your waiter. And I mean with a good tip. Don't give them no 5% tip. We should be the greatest tipper on the planet earth. And then tell them what a great job. Then clean the table before you leave. You're like, what do you mean that's their job? 
you honor them. Learn to honor people. You go to the, the restaurant, don't leave your place like a bunch of raccoons just were there. <laughs> I'm being practical here, but I'm talking about kingdom business. I'm talking about being a representative of the Father God, of the King of Kings. And if Jesus came to a restaurant, I tell you what, he'd be the best tipper. He would encourage his waitress. He would leave the, the place clean and all piled up. That's what we do. My husband and we go in a restaurant and some people look at us like, what are they doing? We pile up all the plates. We put all the thing. We clean up everything so that they all just have to take the stuff to the kitchen. And every time I'm telling you, the waiter look at us and like, thank you. You made my, my job so easy. Thank you. And they feel appreciated and honored. They don't feel like we treat them like second-class servants. Hello. I'm talking practical kingdom business. You are daughters of the king. Oh, glory to God. You know, you're getting me meddling now. I got your anointing. Your meddling anointing. Glory to God. Amen. And then lastly, I would like to talk to you about Jael. It's found in Judge chapter 5, in verse 24 through 27. He said, most blessed among women is Jael. The wife, here again, the wife of Eber the Kenite. Blessed is she among women in the tents. He asked for water, she gave milk. She brought out cream in a lordly bowl. She stretched her hand to the tank peg, her right hand to the worksman hammer. She pounded Sisera. She pierced his head. She split and struck through his temple. And her feet, at her feet he sank, he fell. He Who was Sisera? He was the enemy of Israel. And isn't it amazing that God did not use the king to defeat the enemy. He used a little woman, it says, under her tent. You know what that, and we see here again, she was the wife of Sisera. In another word, she was a stay-home mom. I'm going to say that again. Jael was a woman that stayed all the time in her tent. That means she was a stay-home mom and wife. She didn't have a job. She didn't have a ministry. She stayed at home. Because some of you ladies here, you're thinking, I don't have a pulpit. And here I am, a mother of three kids. Or, and I'd never leave home. How could God use me? What could God do through me? I never leave the house. I'm at home with the kids. Have you ever felt trapped at home? Because you've got kids and you've got to stay home. Let's be honest. Or maybe you are taking care of an elderly person. And you feel like, or elderly parents, and you feel like, I can't leave the house. I'm right there. There is hope for you. Because you see, whether you are home, whether it's with kids or whether it's an elderly person or what, whatever situation it is, you are at home and in your tents. God wants and can use you mightily. Because you notice what happened to Jael? A stay-home mom. She defeated the enemy of Israel. 
She used her feminine instinct, her feminine talents, what she had in her tent, and she defeated the enemy. Mm-mm-mm, it's powerful. It means you can stay at home, and yet God can use you. But you notice something about Jael. She, understood, she knew what was happening in the nation. She was alert. She was not, she understood even the economic, the political situation of her nation. Because you are a stay-at-home mom doesn't mean that you don't know what's happening in America. Why? Because you see, that woman, she knew what was happening. She knew that the nation was in danger. She knew that that enemy was a threat to the nation. And right there under her tent, what did she do? She pierced the temple of that enemy. She defeated him in her home. For you and I, what does this represent? It represents our role in prayer and intercession. For some of you ladies, oh, I'm about to shout and run around the room. Because for some of you ladies, you think that you're trapped at home and God could not do anything through you. But I have good news for you. And whether you are just a stay-at-home mom or whether you're in business or you have a job or you are in the... Wherever you are, if you are a woman, you qualify. Because God wants to use you to defeat the enemy. And who is our enemy? Our enemy, his name is Satan. And you and I have the, the weapon that we need. We have that peg. We have that authority. And we have all the Holy Spirit in us. And the Holy Spirit in us has been given to us to defeat, to know how to defeat the enemy, to recognize and to know and to intercede and to pray. And effectively, what does Romans 8 verse 26 and 27 says? Listen to this. Oh, Hallelujah. Some of you said, I don't know what to pray or how to pray. I've got good news. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But now he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And then we know, listen, and we know that all things will work together for good for those who love God and I call according to his purpose. You know what that means? That you and I, lady, God wants to use us to pray and intercede for whatever it is that needs to be prayed. And in whatever the enemy is doing, and I don't know if you notice, but this nation has been in danger and is still in danger. But God had mercy on the church. God had mercy on the people of America. And things are changing. You know why? Because people prayed. The church prayed. I'm telling you what. In France, they had the same situation. But the church didn't pray. 
And we know what the result. They got such an ungodly president. With the spirit of Antichrist. And the spirit of globalism to bring the Antichrist into this earth. So you and I have to pray and intercede in this time. But we've got the Holy Spirit in us. Because when we pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. And you know, here I'm talking about the nation. But he wants to help you pray for your families. For your kids. He wants to help you pray for whatever it is. That you need pray for. So we know you pray the word. We know that we ought to do. When we pray the word, we discover the will of God. When we pray the will of God, God hears us. And whatever, if he hears us, we have. The petition we ask for. But then we can invite the Holy Spirit to pray. And he will search the mind of God. The, the heart of the Father. And he will pray according to the perfect will of God for the situation. But you know what is amazing also ladies? The Holy Ghost wants to invite you. There is a higher way to pray. There is a prayer where all of a sudden you can co-labor with the Holy Spirit. Where all of a sudden it could be possible that God wake you up in the middle of the night. How many of you ladies, you have had that experience? Where all of a sudden, whether it's in the day or through the night, all of a sudden you have that... Uh, you know that type of Holy Ghost interruption? It feels like a heaviness, like a burden. Where you know that you know I've got to pray. And oftentimes you don't know what to pray, who to pray. All you know, I've got to pray. Let me tell you something. You need to obey. You need to yield. Why? Because it's Holy Spirit telling you, he who looks around the earth and he looks and he sees danger here, a need here, a crisis. He, needs, he saw that Father God wants to resolve a situation somewhere. And he's looking for somebody that will say, yes, Lord, I'm that little lady under the tent, but I'm ready to defeat the enemy. And right there, you yield to that and you pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Holy Ghost. And you pray in the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you, do not ignore it. Don't tell yourself, I'll do it another time. Uh-uh. Ask me how I know. When I was a young Christian, I had been saved just a few months. God has spoken to me to pack my bags to go to the United States. On the way, I stopped in England, Sue. I have a sister who lives in Oxford. And so I, I was in her house. We hadn't seen each other for a long time. And so, of course, she's talking to me, wanting to catch up. And while she talks, <clears throat> that burden comes. I knew I needed to pray. But you know what? I couldn't interrupt her. I couldn't cut her to tell her. I couldn't. So I told myself, well, I don't want to offend her. So I'll pray later. Well, later came, I was so tired, I fell on my bed and fell asleep. God woken up by a phone call that my daddy had died during the night. And I told myself, what if I had prayed? Holy Spirit was trying to tell me to pray for my daddy, but I didn't. I thank God that I was able to forgive myself and not be under that condemnation. But I told Holy Ghost, I said, Holy Ghost, please teach me how to pray. Teach me how to make the same mistake. And God has been faithful. He's been faithful. But here, some of you might say, Audrey, how long do you pray? If you've got that burden to pray, how long do you pray? Pray until you get a note of victory. And you're like, what does it feel like? 
a note of victory. Well, the best I can explain it is, you know, when God calls you to pray, it feels like in heaviness. Sometimes you feel like you can't even breathe. It feels like an inside, like, you know, but when all of a sudden you've prayed and you've prayed in the spirit, all of a sudden it lifts. It's all of a sudden it feels light, like you can breathe. Sometimes you feel like singing. Sometimes you feel like laughing. What does it mean? You got the job done. You put that peg in the temple of the enemy. It is so powerful. So powerful. And I'm telling you ladies. There will be a day if you say, yes Lord, I am a Jael. I will. You teach me, Lord, and I will respond to your holy invitation. I will pray. When you need me to pray for our president, when you need me to pray for whatever situation, if you, I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to wake me up, to interrupt me anywhere, anytime, and I'll do it. And I'm telling you, if that is your response and that is your heart, God is going to use you mightily in your tent. And you'll go to heaven and there will be people coming to you and say, thank you. Thank you, Tessa. And you'll say, I don't know you. Who are you? Oh, you don't know me. But one night you got up at two in the morning and you prayed. And because you prayed, I got saved. Because you prayed, I was getting ready to have an overdose and God spared my life. And I almost saw death, but then God saved me and and healed me. Or I was there getting ready to be persecuted and killed and tortured. But God intervened miraculously because of your prayers. And I'm telling you, mothers... Mothers, young women, start right now praying in the spirit as much as you can. And some of you, God, your sons and your daughters might be wanting to run wild, but God could wake you up in the middle of the night and say, pray for your son because he's there with a bunch of no good and he's about to rob a bank. So pray right now. Oh, glory to God. Let me, let me show you how Holy Spirit, oh, glory to God. I don't care. Is that okay? Let me show you what Holy Spirit did and how he can use you to, to change eternity. Just a few years ago, my brother was diagnosed with brain cancer. And so my husband and I, We got on a plane, went to the south of France. And of course, our goal was to minister healing to him. And so I see miracles all the time, you know, like so many of you here in this place. And so my purpose is I'm going to lay hands on my brother and he's going to get healed. Well, it wasn't that when I got there, they didn't want to have it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want any of it. And you cannot force people to get healed. And so I knew I couldn't. I ministered the gospel to them. I ministered healing and long story short, it didn't happen. But I told the Lord, I said, well, he has brain cancer. And if he doesn't get healed or something, and the doctor said he doesn't have a long time. So I said, he got to get saved. So I, my husband and I, Fred, we preached the gospel to him. We loved on him. We went and my, my brother didn't want to really, not interested and every and the day before I left France to go back home, I mean, we were alone in the room with him. And I said, listen to me. His name was Roberto. I said, listen to me, Roberto. 
I said, I don't want to leave until I know you've made your peace with God. I said, eternity is in the balance. Your life is there. Please accept Jesus. I said, don't worry. I mean, with a French accent, you know. Don't worry. It's all good. God and I were like this. So go home. Don't worry for me. It's all good. It's everything. I tell you, go home. Well, what do you do? You just go home. But my heart was so grieved. So I prayed. I said, Lord, what do we do? And we got the bright idea. He said, call him on the phone. He had his cell phone. So all summer, I tried to call my brother. And he would not answer the phone. Mm-mm. Didn't answer the phone. But the day of my, my birthday, I mean, look at how sweet daddy God is. And how he loves his little daughter. We are his delight. Yes. So on my, on my birthday, September 12th. <laughs> told daddy God I said God I said the best gift you could give me is to allow me to lead my brother to the Lord thank you father and so all day long I called he wouldn't pick up the phone I went to bed discouraged I was like I don't understand God you always answer my prayers what up God I don't understand I went to bed a little you know discouraged one in the morning all of a sudden we are in bed Fred and I, we hear like, like a door that slammed. My husband, the good husband that he is, he got up, he t- pulled his gun, he goes around the house. We, yes, we are packing ministers. That'll blow some people's mind away. Did she say that? Well, anyway, so he goes around the house and he said, there's nobody, nothing. I'm like, honey, I know. Holy Ghost did that. He woke us up. We need to pray. So here we go in the room and we pray, we pray, we pray. I pray in tongues. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth, the spirit of prophecy. Sometimes God will allow you to interpret your own tongues. And I heard myself say, in the name of Jesus, death, take your hands off my brother. I command you to leave the room right now in Jesus' name. I shocked myself, but I continued to pray in the spirit. And then two minutes later, I hear that little voice that says, call him now, call him now. So I went to the kitchen, pick up the phone and call. Oh my goodness, my brother answered the phone. And I was shocked. Oh me of great faith. <laughs> and I said, Roberto, listen. I said, God woke us up to pray for you. He said, he did? I said, yes. He said, I know God wants my attention, doesn't he? I say, surely he does. He loves you that much. He said, he does. I said, he's in my room. I say, he is? <laughs> and so I said, you know you've got to receive Jesus in your heart. You know you've got to allow him to pay for your sin and forgive. Please, would you pray? And he said, yes, I want to. He prayed the sinner's prayer. I hung up. Oh, I got so excited. <laughs> That's not the end of the story. Listen a little further. A few hours later, my sister calls me and she said, do you know what happened? I said, no. She said, our brother died. He was laying on the hospital bed and he saw his body lying there dead. And he saw his spirit went up, 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 up through the ceiling, through the roof. It 
like drawn into the, the atmosphere and the gulf. He said, and all of a sudden, after a while being just sucked up, his, his spirit went back in his body. And the phone rang. Oh, if I could do flat, if I could do backflip, I would right now. I want you to see, ladies, how powerful you are. You are those Jael that God wants to use under your tent without leaving your house. You can put that peg in the enemy's temple. You can defeat him and put your foot because he is already defeated. All God needs is you to yield to the Spirit of God, to cooperate through the Holy Spirit, to work with him, to listen to him. And I'm telling you, there is a higher place in prayer where you listen to the Spirit and you, you find and discover what is on the heart of the Father and you pray it out. Father, why do you want to pray today? Let's pray together. Hoshara Bahanakas. Sunday. I don't know if you feel his presence right now, but I'm about to burst. So without any further ado, I want you to close your eyes right now. Because you all are called to be those access, those Deborahs, those Jaels. That's who you are. Daughters of the King. But right now, I don't want you. You see, you are women of the word. That's who you 